in brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power, oranges lust and blues you can trust, indigos feel and white ones heal, yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 548. The one Chad's been waiting for with bated breath. <laughs> I will say the covers of these look fantastic. Yeah, the covers are the covers are pretty good. And I will say, and I'll mention it once we get once we actually get done doing the I'm gonna try to do a Kurtzky like synopsis review a wrap up of these plots, but once we actually get to breaking down the issues, I will I I will at least say something uh, surprisingly, at least from based on my expectation and based on the pattern, uh, a thumbs up in a certain area for one of these issues, certainly I w- that I wouldn't have guessed <laughs> I'd be saying based on our track record. But yes, we are going to be discussing uh, Alan Scott, the Green Lantern, three and four. This it is funny. This it did seem like these issues came out so fast. It seems like you and I were just talking about issue three be, uh, to ourselves, and then boom, issue. I guess that's the benefit of having three Green Lantern books a month right now. Yeah, I was just about to say it's because we have so many things on our docket. Like you know, we we're kind of used to struggling to come up with things. Like that's, I mean, that's why we. And I, I'm saying this to you, but obviously I'm speaking to the listeners here as well. That's why we come up with concepts like top five covers or Emerald Influence and stuff like that. So like we have like. You know, if we don't have content to talk about, at least we can return to themes and that at least gets gets us somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, it just it it just it's easy to go boom, boom, boom. Like, honestly, now it seems excuse me. Now it seems like it's been forever since we did a regular issue of Green Lantern, even though the last maybe because the last time we did it was the interview. But it's all just yeah. it's, it is odd. I mean, the Alan Scott thing, it just seems like. Just seemed like it was yesterday. We were debate. I was debating whether I was going to do a mini episode on three, as before, instead of sticking to the game plan. And then we said, "Ah, we'll stick to it." And now, boom! Just like now, just like this. Now, now, now the fourth issue is out. So, yeah. All right. I guess we'll just jump into this. Yeah, just jump straight on in. All right. So, like I said, I'm going to try to do a bare bones, uh, plot synopsis wrap up of this and then most because again the devil will be in the details and especially in, in issue three so that'll come down during during our during our discussion and so i'll do three then i'll roll into four and then we will discuss both and take it from there so issue three is called a specter calls we already knew the specter was showing up so <laughs> spoiler alert and <laughs> plus he's on the cover so so basically picking up on what's happened in building on what's happened in the last two issues bodies are showing up <laughs> they're pi- beginning to pile up and they all have two things in common they all are being killed in, in some way shape or form in a similar way to how johnny died and they all happen to be people guys that alan has slept with so alan's kind of doing his a little inv- investigating on his own including down by the piers uh, the docks where i guess the male prostitutes tend to work from and we will talk we will talk about that in detail because the, the latest victim is it was a male prostitute that Alan knew. So he's doing his own investigation. He's also the JSA is also working with working on this or trying to help. So Jay and Alan end up having a discussion like in the morgue. And I think Alan probably reads into too much because he is living a secret life and he's getting defensive. But Jay's Jay's kind of he thinks Jay is trying to say something. I don't think Jay necessarily is, but Jay's also making it clear no matter how Alan is taking things that the Justice Society takes things seriously. And even though the police, quote unquote, may v- view these people as deviants and they don't care as much, that's not how the JSA is going to handle it. They believe in 
wherever this takes them, wherever the clues lead, that's where they're going to go. And they don't really care who's the victim and they don't really care who's doing it as far as they're going to make sure everything, everything's going to be done properly. And Alan still wants to work alone, but it, uh, uh, Jay pretty much tells, well, tells him, well, it's, it's a little too late because a member of the JSA has already kind of like been put on the case full on the case full bore. And he's really already been working on it for a while. That turns out to be the specter, the Jim Corrigan specter. We're supposed to assume based on conversations here that Corrigan has only been the specter for a small period of time. We'll we'll discuss a lot about Jim, the specter, I'm sure, and and some of the things that go on between him and Alan when we when we actually converse about this later on. But the the specter makes it clear to Alan that what's going on isn't just related to Alan and his private life, his secrecy, what he's trying to hide from the world. That he believes that it's being done on purpose to try to set Alan up as the likely suspect. That he's being railroaded, he's being framed in this. And during this conversation, that's when the gong kind of goes off in Alan's head that he thinks he's afraid that he knows what's going on or who might be responsible for this. So he 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 races back home during the course of this issue. uh, Doy B. Forrest Gump Dickles here has been driving around, who becomes pretty clear almost from the get go that it's going to be the Red Lantern, and it is. Alan gets back home. He finds the Red Lantern there. He realizes and he, or he believes that it's Johnny. He calls out to Johnny. It is Johnny. Johnny kind of backhands him and knocks him out. And that ends issue three. And so just like you were right about Kilowog, I was right about Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the way I would have thought, though, based on or maybe not the way any of us would have thought based on what we get in issue four. So issue four is called Resurrection, and straight up, like 90% of this issue is exposition. <laughs> this pretty much is, is Johnny telling Alan, who's barely conscious for like most of most of this anyway, which is kind of funny if you're trying to come clean and you just cold cock the guy you're telling the story to, he's like, even if he could, <laughs> how much he could really absorb, even if he's paying attention. So we in all this, we find out Johnny is a Soviet spy, that he was a plant. That he was sent to, that he was a, he joined the Red Army. He moved his way up, of course, uh, sleeping his way up. We'll talk about that too. To get into a position that he wanted. The whole thing about that, you know, the the red flame, the crimson flame of death. The Soviet Union was really interested in getting this for themselves. Plus, they knew based on their based on their uh, spy network and everything that the United States was trying to harness it for their own purposes. So Johnny was sent undercover to infiltrate the project that was trying to harness this power. He zeroed in on Alan Scott on purpose to get close to Alan Scott, implying during this entire issue that based that his whole relationship with Alan Scott was basically, oh, it wasn't real. It was just for the mission, which, of course, there's hints in this story that, of course, that's not entirely true. But we get the entire backstory of, of up to there. Johnny, after he gets he comes into contact with the flame. He ends up kind of like almost like a winter soldier kind of thing. He ends up going back, going back to Russia and they operate on him and, and they, related to the flame. And I think they pull they they kind of like pull the flame out of him, but nobody else can really do anything with it. But him, it, it kind of responds to him. And then at this point, Alan Scott has already become Green Lantern. And Alan and Johnny knows it's Alan just by the way he looks and the way he behaves and everything else. And based on the whole lantern in the ring concept, then they, because these two powers are seemingly tied together because Johnny sees green, even at the, a brief hint of green when he's being taken over by the crimson flame, a red lantern and a red ring are, are created are created for him. He becomes the red lantern. And that kind of takes us, that takes us to where we are here. He, mo- he does a whole lot of mocking of Alan in this. He mocks the ring that he gave Alan, which was, which, you know, the whole backstory of that ring he gave him was fake, and he even tries to, which is, it's a, there's a whole lot of ta- whole lot of taunting in this, and there's also some weird stuff we'll talk about with related to their their powers and their phasing and how it's related to time travel supposedly according to Johnny Johnny's take on all this or what he understands, and Alan kind of turns the tables at the end. He kind of plays head games to a certain extent with Johnny, trying to make to trying to wear him down to. To prove, number one, maybe to himself that also that Johnny did care or does care. But jo- what Alan's really doing is trying to get close enough, literally for because he's encased in this crimson bubble. 
getting close enough where jo- where Johnny will literally lower his guard a tad, which he does. They go to touch. Alan gra- he hits Johnny, grabs the crimson battery, and then uh, he recharges from the crimson battery. So he's kind of like pouring out red energy with a little bit of green around it, but mostly red energy pouring out of him. And the next issue is supposed to be Rage of the Green Lantern. Um, did you talk about the creative teams? No, I did not. I can do that now. I I was going to do it in the beginning. I figured I figured I would do it. I would do it at the end. Let me go. Well, I still have the front page open for a Spectre calls. Tim Sheridan, writer, Cian Tormi, artist, Matt Herms and Chris Sotomayor, colorists, Lucas Catoni, letterer, David Talaski, cover, Amy Reader and Jerry Ordway, variant covers. That's cool. It's an Ordway, Ordway cover. Marcus Draper, associate editor, Andrew Marino, editor, and Katie Kubert, group editor. So I want to I want to touch a bit on kind of like the, mon, you know, quote unquote, mundane critiques or observations before we get lost in the rest okay. of it. First of all, C.N. Tormey, I love C.N. Tormey's work for most of this series thus far. And these two issues are really no exception in for the most part. I will say, though, I got to take you to task. Um, if you still have issue three open, go to the page where Alan disappears through the 18 wheeler on the docks and he, and he puts his ring on. What finger yeah. is that? Um, oh, oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's not his middle finger. Right. And then if you go to the page where both Alan and Spectre uh, come through the wall in the files room. Yep, you are correct. It is still on his ring finger on his left hand. Yep. And finally, if you go to the uh, last page of issue three, where Alan is on the floor in front of the Red Lantern in his apartment, what finger is the ring on? That one looks like it's his middle finger. Yep. Like it's supposed all, to be, right? <laughs> yeah, all on the, all on the left hand. Um, some so some inconsistency. I will say both flipping through this issue and more. Uh, more uh, obviously in issue four, um, cool observation. The ring is on the right hand of the Red Lantern, where it's on the left hand of Alan. Um, I like that that's, you know, we've kept a lot of Alan's design elements and stuff like that from the Golden Age. And the position of the finger, or what hand it's supposed to be on for Alan, was always the left, whereas the Silver Age was always the right. So I yep. like that we've kept that. Um, I will also say I both hate and love the design of the ring um, oh, the, the, oh the red ring no 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 of of the green ring especially this very close-up look we get of it on this last page of issue three because on the one hand i like that it was always kind of just like a tiny lantern <laughs> like an actual train lantern it was like a tiny version of the lantern essentially in most design concepts but so I, I miss that and I would want to see that, which, by the way, it is what we see on covers uh, for this very series. So I don't know if maybe there's a consistency issue in the design that CN is choosing to portray. But if you look at, say, the cover of issue four, it's very clearly a different ring. Um, but <clears throat> I don't think design uh, consistency uh, is uh, always a priority between interiors and and, and covers because, you know, whoever's doing a, a cover is essentially just doing a sketch, right? So, like, it's not like, you know, they're asked to be 100% exactly as interiors. Um, so, uh, I, but what I do like about it is it does look kind of like a an evolutionary. So, so I'm just going to make a Pokemon reference <laughs> just for the hell of it. Like, if you look at a one stage Pokemon and then what it, it evolves into later on, you can see the design elements uh, as from from its first incarnation to what it eventually becomes. This ring does kind of look like what if Alan's ring had hints of it in its design of what the Green Lantern core ring is supposed to look like. And it, it to me, the two mesh well. I do wish it was a little more hourglassy. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I'm. Yeah, I must admit. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't because it does look like more of a chunky Green Lantern core ring, or the or the or the, the like a rough draft of it. I don't like it. I actually. I mean, I'm not saying I love the Alan Scott ring design in inherently compared to Green Lantern core ring to begin with, but it is part of the tradition. So yeah. I don't like the ch- I don't like to change, but not that that should surprise us that they would change something. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else on the art you want to focus on, just kind of, uh, you know, in in kind of the the 
not before we get into the in depth. Yeah. I don't. I well, I don't like the Spectre look. Okay. I yeah, I don't think it doesn't look very. Uh, it doesn't look very. And very few panels do I think he really looks like the Spectre, especially when you zero in on his face. I mean, I don't like the lines on his face. I don't think that works. We'll obviously talk about the way the Spectre looks is the least of the Spectre problems in this issue. But but yes, from an art perspective, maybe other than when he's completely ginormous standing standing before he disappears. Other than that, I don't I don't think it. When you look at his, you know, when you see him from behind, when he's wearing the hood, and you or you see him like the side, like when you're looking at the files and stuff, and he's and sideways, that's fine. But it just does, it just doesn't look the facially. I don't think the art really works there. Gotcha. I wish we would have seen more. Speaking of the Spectre, I wish we would have seen Spectre do more Spectre things. Yeah. We kind of see it with uh, this boyfriend that he's hitting up in the alley, and then he kind of makes disappear, and he's like pulling memories out of him or whatever. So like. That's spectery stuff, but everything else we see from him here is just essentially going through walls and and explaining things. That's uh, you know, uh, I get we're focused on Alan. There's a mystery to be revealed, so on and so forth. So it's not like we can spend a significant amount of time seeing the Spectre do his thing. Um, but um, I, I you know part of the differentiation between because I'm looking at this last panel. Um, uh, when we first see the alley where Spectre says that's exactly right and I need a little more information and his eyes go white and he's wearing a fedora. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of phantom strangery. Yes, in fact, you know, I didn't I didn't even put the two and two together up until now when I'm looking when I'm looking through this. We know he's supposed to be Corrigan-esque, which we'll talk about, too. But, uh, yeah, you're right. He looks much more like Phantom Stranger than he does than he does the Spectre. So that's another that's kind of another problem. But the look. And- and that's totally fine for me, given the era, given that he, Corrigan was a detective, like he's going to wear a fedora. He's going to like in terms of outfit or whatever, like I, I get it uh, as long as you don't put <laughs> as long as you don't put uh, Jim Corrigan himself in an actual cloak because uh, Phantom Stranger wears a cloak, not a, not just a big ass trench coat. But there's a lot of design similarities here. Um, so really, the only time you can see. Uh, differences in is in how they operate because Phantom Stranger is I don't want to call him an inactive guy because he definitely has just interceded where he really shouldn't have if his goal is to just kind of watch essentially um, he definitely intercedes but he doesn't intercede directly like gets his literal hands dirty the specter does the specter fucks with people tortures them you know puts them through their own sins like you know I'm not a specter fanatic like I am band of strangers so forgive me if i'm saying some of the wrong things but the way in which you can differentiate them visually is by what they do and how they use their abilities too um so not seeing the specter do spectery things makes this more phantom strangery than it should be and that bothers me uh the other thing i wanted to talk on too uh again and kind of the 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 vein of things uh on the surface level that kind of bothered me i don't like Everything, this is this is a continuation. His interaction with Jay here, he's so distrustful of Jay. And like, look, I completely get it. This is an early Alan Scott story. He's being forced onto the JSA. The JSA is a relatively new organization. He, this Alan does not have the ties that, that the Alan we would expect should have, the friendships that he should have with the other people. I get that story-wise we're not there yet it's still a little that doesn't change the fact that it rubs me a little wrong of how mistrusting he is of jay yeah i mean that that that's but again that's back to what they're trying that's how they want to tell or how they want to portray alan and what they want to say about what alan quote-unquote represents to them that's what it is it's like well if you you know if you were living a lie your entire life and you couldn't feel comfortable then yeah you're gonna be basically you're gonna be missed you're gonna be distrustful of everyone and even if anybody says something that could possibly be hinting that oh i know your secret alan scott which we'll talk about in context of some of alan's own activities which don't really seem to mesh with this but yeah i i i thought that was he was reading way too much into jay was you know jay was not really fishing for what he thought he was Jay was fishing for, but, and I don't know. I, I, I that, that, bo- that, bo- that bothered me too. Not the, not my, not the biggest problem in this issue, but it was a problem. Yes. 
He's got clear mistrust of the cops and he's got a reason for it because he's seeing like, you know, loose ends purposely left there. They're not following up, so on and so forth. But Jay tells him to his face, look, it may not, you know, he tries to defend the cops a little bit just because, right. you know, he's a a 40s man and he maybe has a little police experience himself and so on, like so on and so forth. But he doesn't like just like, hey, you're wrong. Like he's like, yeah, I see it, too. But here's the deal. The JSA is on it and we're not going to we're going to take this investigation where it needs to go, regardless of who's at the center of it. And we're going to do its due diligence. That should be that should be enough, man. Like, don't don't come down on Jay so hard. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah, I like I said, I I thought that was I thought that was a bit much. Does does he not trust the JSA and therefore the members because He's being forced into their ranks and and he thinks everybody there is a plant or something like I don't understand. I think it's in all honesty, I think it's probably more because not because he knows he's living a quote unquote lie. That means if if he gets close to anybody, especially people who basically do who, who who are trying to seek the truth, quote unquote justice, then maybe his secret is at risk or maybe, yes, maybe he will be. Who knows? Maybe he's afraid the J someone he'll either be exposed or maybe he'll be black. Maybe someone in the JSA will try to blackmail him for something else. Again, it's it's the whole choice. It's the choice of how to portray Alan Scott in the life that he's living in this. And this I don't want to say the way it's defined, but this one lifestyle or one possible uh, life that a closeted man or a gay man in the 40s, now 50s would be the stuff that he would quote unquote have to deal with. And that's the choice that they've made. So yeah, but, and yeah, like you talk and going back to the beginning, we know his relationship with the JSA is completely different because he's being forced to do it. We know that's not what the quote unquote real Alan Scott, why he was part of the JSA. So it's, it's going to be different. So it's, it, that makes it harder to, to go to just take too. The last thing I'll talk about before, because I think if we, once we talk about the actual stuff the Spectre says, the actual stuff that Johnny says, it's well, the, that'll take us to where the rest of this is going. But the last thing I think we should touch on is, and this might serve as an actual segue to the rest of it, is the revelation in issue four of the power set. And I know you talked about it briefly, but I will just read some lines here. It says, because it's important in terms of the listeners and us just sort of, you know, setting what the actual power set is here. Um, Johnny says all the ancient magic of the universe concentrated and contained within the heart of a, within the heart of a star. Didn't you ever consider the possibilities? Okay. Star heart, still ancient magic, all of it contained in the star. That's still there. Great. Flight strength. And even energy constructs like this are child's play, but walking through solid walls, I bet you didn't even know how that little wonder works. Okay. We've seen that. Great. He says, you mean moving through the fourth dimension. That's fantastic. Like, regardless of what we think about the revelation here where it says, yes, time, we're literally moving through a space and time when the wall or the ceiling or the mountain didn't or won't exist. That's time travel, Alan. And you didn't even know you were doing it. Honestly, this whole time, I thought you were just holding back. He does talk about it's all derived from emotion and stuff. So but I don't want to just keep reading verbiage here. I do like Alan saying you mean moving through the fourth dimension, trying to correct him or whatever, because that's what they said in in All American 16. And it's one of my favorite bits from All American 16. It just really shows the the real 40s of the, the real golden age of the actual writing quality there. Because at one point in All-American 16, as Alan is getting used to his new abilities and going after Decker, he's literally just flying through the sky and he goes, hmm. I wonder if I have the power of moving through through the fourth dimension and decides to test it by flying head first at a wall at at top speeds you have to imagine, not knowing whether it's gonna work or not. <laughs> it's just quintessential golden age storytelling. So it's funny here that the actuality of the fourth dimension is time. So the it, it's funny that they're making this connection. Whether we think that should be possible or not, or what ramifications are or whatever. I do like that little twist. It's like they said the fourth dimension back in the golden age, not knowing that by today's standards, when we talk about fourth dimension, mathematically, physics, so on and so forth, we're talking about time. So I do like tying those two things together. That's that's very clever. 
I will give you that. I will give you that. Yeah. Uh, should at this point, should Alan even know all about the Starheart? Should he really have that primer? What's the timeline between him getting his powers and everything we're seeing here? Because he's he's new. We know that. But how new? Has he been active for like two years doing his hero thing? Well, this is supposed to be. I'm a. I don't know. I I just I I thought that bot that part that part in issue four bothered me just because Johnny is Johnny is talking about things like oh matter of factly like John that that Alan should automatically know. And I'm not quite sure, based based on the last time they were together, why he would automatically think just because. And I'm not even sure how Johnny knows all the stuff that he knows necessarily. It depends on the connection between the Crimson Flame, and right? The green. And but I mean, but so I don't know. I I I I understand. I can appreciate the connection to the past. So, but but my initial reaction again, and I'm not as well versed in the lore of alan scott is the fact that that could be they could be kind of making an reading a little bit too much into the fact that maybe alan would even know about all this stuff at this point that he would automatically know oh Starheart's, you know what this that his power comes from the star heart and that the star heart is magic and so forth and so on yeah i get the feeling that i get the feeling that johnny has been or vlad i guess is because johnny is an alias Vlad has been communicating with the Crimson Flame in a way that Alan hasn't been with the Green Flame. Um, he's been tapping into it. He's been actively treated like be, he's not just treating it as this power that has, you know, suddenly shown up and he's going to use it for a force of good or evil or whatever. He's recognizing the intelligence behind it, whether that means intelligence within the power or the intelligence that birthed the power and gave it purpose or whatever, doesn't matter. He's had more communal time with it, which is technically right because he got his Red Lantern abilities before Alan ever got his. And they had a plan. Russia had a plan for it and everything. Johnny had a, or Vlad had a plan for it and everything. And then Alan came up on the scene after the train crash and they decided to model their lantern after. Yeah. So it, it, Timeline also makes sense. Vlad has had more time with it too. So this this may be because we can see from the rest of the story moving forward from this point where he's talking about the actual abilities, Alan is clearly letting him talk. So maybe this is just him letting him talk. And this is the first time Alan's actually ever heard of the Starheart. Not in name, but close enough. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. But uh, I think that's all the the kind of surface level stuff I wanted to talk about, unless you had something. No, we better start delving into some deep, deeper stuff. All right. So let's let's I want to focus in first on issue. I have notes for both, but let's focus in on issue on issue three, because issue three to me is much the the positive thing I was going to say was it is a backhanded compliment, but it still stands is that up until issue four every every time i had read a previous issue of this book i kept saying well the next issue has to be better it can't possibly be worse but up until issue four they had proved me wrong every single time because i think issue three probably as my peter brady voice crack again happens i think issue three is probably worse than issue two with the prop with the things that happen in it there's a lot there's a lot of problematic things in issue three and issue four, maybe because it's almost all exposition and you finally get superhero hero versus villain action, barely. But it's the first time in friggin four, four issues of a six issue book that we even have any of that. Issue four, at least does not, is better than issue three, I think. And that's just because we get some reveals. It just feels more. It's the stuff that they give you, which we know you can't, you have to have it in because they of their choice, that the stuff related to the sexuality in issue four isn't it isn't as overwhelmingly prevalent and in fact it's handled in such a way if they hadn't beaten you over the head with it in issues one through three the stuff in issue four probably most people would be willing to just oh okay and not even think twice it's just instead of waiting for it which you do all the time with this book so let's go in order here the whole male prostitute thing that the guy the the, the victim we're dealing with in the beginning is a is a male prop tommy right it was tommy i think yeah 
So he was a male prostitute that Alan was involved with. Now, yes, you could read into it that Alan either met him as a male prostitute and eventually maybe they had a real relationship and he wasn't paying for it. But considering the cops are raiding the docks seemingly on a regular basis and even more so now that one of them had turned up dead. For somebody who's really who was concerned about people finding out a secret, visiting the docks to pick up male prostitutes doesn't really seem like a really wise career move, in my opinion, for Alan Scott. That seems really stupid for someone who is that concerned about your secret being exposed. That kind of seems stupid. And obviously, he's been down there more than once. Or at least, well, we know he's been down there at least once because the guy he's talking to recognizes him. It probably means that he's, and even the hints of the conversation, Alan's been down there more than once you just have to say at the least you know he's been there before so that's mm-hmm. one thing i had a problem with so i'm not sure if you want to respond to that or you want me to just rattle these off and then we then when then we talk <laughs> no um I, I get what you're saying in terms of protecting his privacy um it, it does seem like an, an odd choice but um uh i don't have as much of a problem with it uh it, it's again i'm not gonna just ramble while i try to find my line of thought on it but i i do i do see what you mean in terms of publicly viewing obviously he's got an alias scotty well done man yeah man just real crack shot on the alias it's uh, <laughs> what what I, what I call himself uh scotty <laughs> allen <laughs> uh but uh yeah i do see what you mean it's pos- i mean again it's possible he met him nowhere near the docks and then developed a relationship and then found out he was by the docks, found out what he was uh, and what his job was and and then went to visit him there or whatever. Either way, not a good idea if you're trying to lay low. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would agree. I have no problem with him visiting a prostitute because personally, I think there are lots of hangups about sex uh, that shouldn't be, but um uh, that's that's not something we really get on, into on the show. So, but but, uh, but but it's also an but it's also we could I don't this wasn't my focus, but it's also an interesting thing. It's like well, the kind of like the idea that oh, if you accept this, then you should accept that. And a lot of people would be able, a lot more people probably would be willing to accept oh, two acts between a consenting adult as opposed to okay, so now you're going and and you're and you're paying for saying you're paying for it. I'm not saying that some people that won't think that's okay or, or it's justified in a circumstance. I'm saying those things are not equivalent and tying them in like, oh, if you accept that Alan, there's nothing wrong with Alan being gay, then there should be nothing wrong with Alan going to, to male prostitute. I don't think that's a not, not a logical dot connection there. But I think but I think that you could read into that's what they're trying to infer. But either way, so let's 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 do something quick. Uh, because there's a lot with the Spectre I want to talk about. Let's just talk about the whole Corrigan Spectre relationship in this. Mm-hmm. I don't like how they seem, to, how Sheridan seems to write. He kind of writes the Spectre almost like it's when Hal was the Spectre. That Corrigan is essentially in control. He's, it's like, oh, don't, don't, don't call me like, don't call me that when I'm wearing the uniform. It's like they're not really the same person. I mean, the Spectre's driving the ship, but that's not what the vibe you get. You kind of get the vibe that it's almost like, oh, he just. Puts on a uniform and he's a specter. And that's that's not really what it is. Now, I understand it's the beginning of the relationship, but that should even make it less likely that's going to happen because the specter would have more control over the host then than the other way around. So I did not I did not get a natural Corrigan specter vibe based on everything we've seen in the relationship. And when they when they've been together, that this really seems natural to me. How much Golden Age specter have you read? I haven't read all that much. Maybe so. I could be influenced by the modern take on the Corrigan. Is that the way? Is that the way the Golden Age Spectre was written? So, so I'm going to fully admit right up here, I could be talking out of my ass. I've read a couple of issues here or there, but because it's the 40s, uh, the 40s, 50s, when when those issues came out, I don't remember there being a lot of intricacy between the the two differing personalities. Like it was a different person. They were just you know, it's very sloppy storytelling in, in the golden age, as we've already discussed. So I don't think they really came up with uh, the very distinct difference between the two until much later. Um, so, so you, either, either uh, Tormi is, is writing this wrong or it's an intentional homage to the way it was written back then. But wouldn't that still tell, it wouldn't be as wrong, but if you know that's that not that's how the relationship the relationship has been defined and changed and is, is not portrayed that way 
mm-hmm. in modern times, going back to doing that, is that still not a problem? I mean, I guess some people would say it isn't, but to me, well, either way, you, if you could very well be right, and that would explain it if that was the conscious choice, yeah. but it bothered me because that's certainly not what, what the Spectre, that's not the Spectre relationship with almost all of his hosts. Hal was different because Hal literally threw out the part of the Spectre, the logos that was, you know, the essence of the Spectre. He literally tossed that thing out the door for a period of time. So he literally was the Spectre. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't a, the voice of the Spectre was even whispering in his ear saying, well, we should do this. It's like, no. So, yeah. but all right. So now let's just start, let's start delving into the biggest issue here. Cause there's two that come together here. So now you may have hit the nail on the head for, for them to quote unquote, try to explain this away by if they go back to the golden age and Alan and, and, and he, and the specter was less the specter back then, then you can, then maybe they could try to finagle this, but I still think it's garbage that the quote unquote progressive specter that they tried to make in this issue, the spec, there's nothing progressive about the real specter. He is old Testament. <laughs> He is not moved beyond the wrath of God on earth. All that he is Old Testament. So he's not going to be the one who's going to be there patting Alan Scott in the back. Worse, I mean, gives him a friggin' hug. The Spectre gives him a hug. The Spectre doesn't wouldn't hug anybody. Spectre wouldn't hug God, I think, if God moved came in for a hug. <laughs> but the Spectre he hugs Alan Scott and he basically get and he serves the role in this in this issue that other characters have served in the first two where Alan Scott doubts that what what he's doing is correct and maybe he's 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 committing a sin and and, and blah 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 and now it's the Spectre's role as basically being this right hand man of God who also takes who Sheridan makes sure he has the Spectre speak on God's behalf you know I know I was like I know God so trust me when I say this which is really 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 preachy and presumptuous no matter what uh but the whole idea that the Spectre would be there to to comfort Alan Scott and to and to tell him, oh, you know, how could it, how could it be wrong if it's love? How could it be wrong? All this stuff. That's not what the Spectre exists for. The Spect- in all honesty, the Spectre wouldn't give a shit about that. Now, if I thought about this. Your best, I think, your best case scenario with the Spectre, you have the realistic best case, and you have the probable best case. The realistic best case is the Spectre wouldn't consider it a sin because he just it's just as long as it's between two consenting adults, he wouldn't care. But the most likely, because he's Old Testament, the most likely probable view of the Spectre would be he probably would consider it a sin, just like he would consider adultery a sin. But it's so it's so small, small potatoes to him that he's not going to be showing up in the middle of the night and peeling the skin off your body for it because he's got bigger fish to fry but to use him as a as sheridan's voice or dc editorial's voice in this issue not every character exists or should exist in the story to say the same thing in the same way that's lazy besides being un uncreative it's it's lazy it's it's not it it does it doesn't make any sense so as much as Sheridan would like to believe, oh, and he could be right in the big picture that this is exactly how this is how I think God would think. Nobody knows. But to take a character like the Spectre, who we know would not be warm and fuzzy towards anybody at best, he like I said, he wouldn't give a shit about your sexuality. It's like, why are you talking to me about this? This is between you and God, Alan. Leave me out of this. The reality is not every character should exist to say the same thing. You have to understand, especially when there's characters that, have, that exist and have pre-existing voices. Even if they didn't, even if you created all these characters, they shouldn't all say the same thing the same way just because that's who or that's what you think as the writer. You know, if it was nuanced, you could take different parts of your personality and throw it into different characters. If you were really nuanced, not that they care about this and we know they don't care about it. You could write a character who's completely different than you, value-wise, and still make him human or her human and make them interesting. But they don't care about that. It's rubber stamping again. So that, so the whole warm and fuzzy progressive specter thing just continues that whole everybody says the same thing. Everybody rubber stamps everything because that's what they want you to – that's the point. So, But coming from the specter, I thought that was really pushing the envelope way, way beyond plausible deniability there. I don't know how much of that I actually agree with. It would take some time to kind of 
think about it. Um, but I will say, regardless of how I feel about it, it doesn't matter. And by that, I mean, it doesn't matter to the story because regardless of whether it should have happened or not, quote unquote, God himself has given Alan a pass and gone, hey, man, I don't care about your sexuality. Don't be so beat up about this. Love is love. You know, you, you, there's no wrong. You shouldn't you shouldn't you're not sinning by by loving is what is being said here. And regardless of whether you agree with that sentiment or who it's coming from or whatever, it doesn't matter because even if Alan breaks down, which he does and hugs the specter and is like, oh, man, I've got a pass from God for this. I don't have to feel guilty about it anymore. Too bad because he does and he doesn't let go of it and he lives in the closet for the next 60 years. I don't know about you. I was raised Christian. Whether or not I believe the actual doctrine anymore is is heavily in question for obvious reasons. Um, but uh, I, I know somebody telling you they're speaking on behalf of God or whatever is something that should not be easily believed by anybody. Especially when you're based the, on the specter. Yeah, when you're but here's the thing, though, when you're in the superhero community um, and see people can do some of the stuff you do, maybe there's a there's a little bit more of potential for doubt, <laughs> at least when someone of that caliber says they're speaking on behalf of God or yeah. whatever. Uh, I, I don't know. Regardless, I think it, 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 it was said in such a way that it got an emotional reaction out of Alan. He broke down for a second and really kind of, you know, relaxed for a minute. But he still it, it doesn't matter because whether whether he believes it or doesn't believe it or felt in that moment accepted by an individual or whatever, like he he doesn't take th that moment to evolve anything within his life. This is ultimately, this is, is not, this conversation is not going to have any impact on anything other than that. It led him to realize something about the villain. Yeah, the well, rest of this is not going to matter to Alan Scott's life. No, I, I understand that, but I don't, once again, I don't think they get a pass on. These are the things oh, where, yeah, I don't think they I don't think the, the Sheridan and company get a pass just for that because of the result because because the reality is it's just and again maybe it would be different if we didn't get this every single issue up to issue three where every single issue somebody else has to tell alan there's nothing wrong with you alan not saying that there is but it's so fucking heavy handed and it's so it's the agenda what they want the point they're trying to make and it's like, hey, didn't you get it the first three times? Now we're going to have an agent of God tell you, which if it was Abdeel, OK, maybe the specter is not going to be rubber stamping anybody's sexuality or speak or get, probably getting involved. So that's I that's why I can't. It is so unspectral like it makes based on everything we really know about the specter. And, I, and if this was the golden age and they hadn't done that yet, OK. But I'm not saying now it's OK. I'm saying if this was happening in the golden age, which, of course, we know none of this would be. But still, if you could do it back then and, and the specter was written where it was more just like a guy wearing tights, not not this, you know, not a host being along for the ride for the most part, just trying to provide a little bit of moral guidance here and there. But you take a character and then you'd be presumptuous enough to speak for to change the voice that we know this character really has and then get doubly presumptuous to have him. Speak for God to just get the point across and see God himself is telling you that there's nothing wrong with this because you want because that's what you want to believe. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means that it shouldn't of all characters to have it come from. The specter is not the character it should be coming from. That's it. You'd be better off having a, you'd be better off having a priest and no ha 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 jokes regarding a priest either. Just seriously, you'd be better off having a man of the cloth tell Alan that it's OK than having the friggin wrath of God who the specter is supposed to be or because it's the JSA. I yeah. could see, I could see a conversation like this with, um, Hawkman and Hawkgirl who have been re reincarnated through life throughout history and have seen yes. times in history where homosexuality was also accepted and gone. Hey, from a historical perspective, you know, like this is, this is a cycle. This happens. Um, 
but there will be better days or something like that. Uh, but yeah, it does feel weird to have it come from the Spectre. Yeah, and, and that's, not, and that's not, be, not for the God reason, but you are right. The Spectre wouldn't give a shit. Yeah, and and that's what I mean. I mean, yes, primarily it's for that reason and because of what the Spectre's role is and what his role isn't. But I think it doubles down on it being unnatural. No, it's no pun intended here with the Spectre because because his purpose in saying what he's saying to Alan is literally to try to get it to give it the God good housekeeping seal of approval. And that's, again, depending what you view on, on God is that you, you may very well want. We may all want to think God is that easygoing. We don't, but the reality is the specter of all characters would not be the one to be delivering that message or trying to deliver the author, the writer's belief or what he wants to, you to think or what he thinks himself that God would think if he believes in God that that's not the character to deliver it and that and again it's something that you some of this stuff you might be willing to just not pick apart if we hadn't again if they didn't beat you over the head with it for for two previous issues it's like every single thing so it's still it's it's to me so to me that was the thing that made this issue to me that took me out of the issue and and yeah we know from a plot point the only thing that was relevant about the specter was the whole hey alan you're being set up and somebody close to you and they want you they and yeah. that guy got had the gong go off in Alan's head. But I will take it a step further and or maybe just define it a little more for the listeners as well. Is like the Spectre doesn't the Spectre doesn't represent God's compassion or God's love. The Spectre is the wrath I, of God. Yeah, he's the wrath of God. He's God's spirit of vengeance, essentially. He in much the same this is a little iffy territory because I'm getting into like actual Christianity stuff here, but in much the same way as the Trinity is, you know, father, God, you know, father, God, Jesus, son, Holy spirit, spirit. Right. But all three are one in the same. It's like the specter is a piece of God. It's the embodiment of God's vengeance. It's not a whole piece of God in terms of right. representing the full uh, totality of what God is in that one piece, the same way Jesus showed wrath when he flipped over the tables that were selling wares in 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 the church or whatever. It's been a long time since I read my Bible, but I remember that um, Jesus flipping over the tables in a rage, but also showing compassion and teaching and so on and so forth. He represented the full range of who God is in various moments of of his of his journey and his preaching but the specter is solely one piece of god and is supposed to represent one piece of god that being his vengeance yeah um so so even further in terms of characterization in terms of who this character is supposed to be it's out of character for the specter because specter doesn't communicate compassion specter doesn't communicate love specter doesn't communicate anything other than what his goal is but again there there is that loophole what you're talking about and what i brought up earlier in terms of writing in the golden age tone of voice and we're maybe hearing more corgan's interpretation here or something i don't know but we we've we can move on to it. Yes, yeah, you're right. But, but, but yeah, you, you like that's why I said that's why I prefaced it, that you may you may have given the quote unquote explanation or defense they would use if somebody pressed them and asked them questions about it. But it still doesn't mean that it really it really rings. It it would ring more true if we didn't know the re- real reason why these characters are saying these things. Yeah. So uh, as far honestly, as far as issue three goes, that's that's. That's my major. That's my last thing for issue. I have a general thing about if we get to it, but about where Alan is as a whole. But that's my main. That's my last thing for issue three. So if you want us to talk about anything in particular in issue four, uh, no, I'm 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 all I'm all set. I'm good. We can move on to issue. We can move on to the the main issues with issue four. Well, that's what I mean. I don't have. I don't have. Well, I just meant it's <clears throat> topics for issue four. I don't. My only my my only issue with because we talked about when I did the recap about how the way he taunts Alan, and that seemed a bit excessive. I mean, other than other than attacking the size of his manhood, he was pretty much taking every cheap shot known to man and trying to dim, diminish their relationship, which obviously, based on the way Alan was able to get through to him talking about the lake house or whatever, it's clear that that Johnny does have some feelings. And it also and he also got a reaction out of Johnny when Johnny was trying to make 
Johnny was claiming that, that, oh, he really wasn't, basically, he really wasn't gay. He was just, you know, he was serving a purpose because he's, I'm not like you, Alan, I have a wife. And then, and then it's the same way Alan blew up at Jay for thinking he was going to imply that he was, that he was, he was, he was gay or using a term he didn't want. That's the way Johnny reacts when he thinks Alan is going to say, does your wife know that you're, a, and he goes, a what? And he goes, a spy, even though that, whether that was really what he was going to say or not, we don't know. But no, I, I, I like issue four. Um, I, I think it's done very well, the relationship and everything. Um, we had to know more about Johnny and his past. So let's just get it all out of the way in one issue. That's totally fine with me. My problem with this all, though, becomes the amount of questions I still have. And we're at issue four of six. Yeah. Because, yes, we know more about Johnny, but we don't know about how the crimson and the green are connected because they clearly are. Because uh, even we get another hint of it here, because when the crimson flame takes Johnny right before the divers grab him, he sees the green. Yeah, I did. So it was that, there yeah. that night. So, like, then then what is going what's the connection? And we've got two issues left to do it. And. Uh, our our sister podcast, our friends over at uh, Podcast of Oa, they just had Tim Sheridan himself on, and they did something really interesting too. I don't know if you saw it, um, but they brought on Martin Nodell's son, Spencer Nodell, uh, on the same episode. So current creator and son of original, you know, current writer and son of original creator got together on the show to discuss things. But dirt, I listen. I'm not through with that episode yet, but. Um, he was hinting, uh, Tim Sheridan was hinting that issue five is going to have more JSA involvement. And by that, he means the JSA, not just Spectre or a representative thereof. Um, so knowing that, how much more time do we have to learn these details? What is the connection between the two? Is one issue going to be enough to tell us everything? How are we going to, res- like, we've taken a lot of page time up. Uh, this series so far with not a lot of answers and I'm really worried about how it's going to flesh out. Like, look, I'm I'm really enjoying issue four here. Lots of details revealed, things like that. Happy to see that. And it's not as on the nose as other issues in the series have been. I don't know if we needed this family listening to the radio, taking up an entire page thing. Uh, That That was probably just so they could do the, you give the reference to why it makes sense to they reference it. So it really wasn't half-assed. But when I was reading it, it was like that was just an ex- it was an excuse just to talk talk about the time travel phasing thing. Yeah. So I, I like it. I thought it was I thought it was cool. I thought it was well done. I do like that they humanize Johnny a little bit. It's like, you know, the whole idea about, yeah, you're a spy, but you're also still a human being. And it's entirely possible for you to get caught up in that life and and have and develop real feelings for an individual despite your orders and so on and so forth. So, like, I don't give Vlad a pass here, um, but it's nice to humanize the enemy a little bit because it makes it a little more complicated than just evil, 100 percent evil all the way, all the time versus good, 100 percent good all the way, all the time. That's, you know, tried and true. And it's been done. So putting some complexity in the characters is great. Thought it was done well here. Um, but, uh, I'm, I, I'm definitely knowing the two are tied in some way together, whether it's by intent or by design, like the two are inextricably linked somehow, like two sides of a coin, it doesn't really matter. So therefore knowing that they're linked somehow makes me less concerned that Alan used his green ring to charge with this red crimson and that he didn't in doing so fundamentally corrupt <laughs> the emerald flame um but i'm still a little worried that, that he made the wrong wrong choice here <laughs> yeah and the one thing i did like about that was when when johnny was was trying to warn him and tell him to stop it i think we're on we're supposed to obviously i believe we're supposed to read into that that was legitimate that that was his concern for al for yeah. al and not just oh don't take my power you mother so i thought this all kidding aside, this issue was, and I, though it is still like a borderline, let me just, I won't even go there. This issue was the best issue of the series. Yeah, so 100% pretty, agree. Yeah, to take, to take, take from that what you will, but yes, there's no, and again, 
this issue, I have some questions about the power. I have some questions. Uh, I didn't even mind all the exposition. But again, from a comic book perspective, considering we barely have had any com- any superhero action throughout this entire series so far, having another 90 percent of the issue be non com non superhero versus supervillain stuff that the exposition was interesting enough that I was OK with it. But the one thing, again, because it's like they just it's like they just can't help themselves. Did you really need to have Johnny sleeping, sleeping his way up the ladder in the Soviet army? Was that really necessary? Couldn't he have made his way up the ranks without sleeping with an, with an officer in the army? It's like, it just, it, it, again, again, okay, go ahead. I I was just going to say, if we were, if we didn't get beaten over the head with this constantly, it wouldn't be, it would, you wouldn't even know, you wouldn't, like I mentioned earlier, you wouldn't even, now you're looking for this because you know what's going to happen. Was it really necessary? I, I, I'm sure there's a way he could have moved up the army without sleeping with some guy who's a, who's a superior officer. But they have to throw that into everything. Again, the sexuality has to be involved in everything. And if this issue is the best of the four when it comes to that, there's no doubt. Because that, other than that with Johnny and, the, and all the flashbacks with Alan. But you kind of go off the rails a little, honestly, when they're talking about the lake house because they're going back into other stuff. But still. This issue presented in, in the most maybe fluid, natural way. But because, again, they, they've beaten you to death with it for three issues. It's like you're just waiting for that shoe to drop. And it's like, oh, there it is. Yeah. I I wonder if they did it just to – and I, 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 I'm already finding a problem with what I'm about to say. So uh, I, I'll acknowledge that in a second. I'm wondering if they did it to kind of show legitimately that Vlad is gay. Not that not that like he has had a history of sleeping with men before Alan. So it wasn't just something he had to do, a sacrifice he had to make for the mission. But he has a history of it. So when he found that weakness, quote unquote, which I mean, he says that and and, and, uh, about Alan um, when he's that he was okay with it because it's already his sexuality. He's not doing something against who he is. They're setting up the history, but also. Setting up the history by showing a very ambitious young man who's willing to do what it takes to move up the ladder and having that example being sleeping with a superior officer as establishing his his sexual history as as being a gay man is also problematic. (laughs) Yeah, but I think you're probably right. I think it's probably it's probably it's probably the show. The duality of Johnny, but also to show that that he and Alan are on that on this level are, are basically the two sides of the same coin. That 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 Johnny is really Johnny is denying who he is. He's doing the same stuff, and he may be enjoying it just as much, but he's denying it by saying, "Well, I'm doing it. I'm doing it for Mother Russia." Mm-hmm. And John and Alan knows that he enjoys it, but he feels guilty about it, and he doesn't. And he he's not sure if it's right for him, and it's problematic for him. So it's like they're 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 on opposite. They're the same but opposite. It's like they both are they're both hiding who they are on different levels. So yeah. I think that might be from a writing perspective that might be why it's there. But again, that's where if you didn't kick us, you know, if you didn't kick us in the nuts, 50, you know, fifteen times an issue for from issues one through three about this stuff, then maybe if when you do it just one time, people wouldn't even think twice about it. But it's like it's it's so again, it's like. To me, I get it, and I think you you make it you make a compelling argument that why you could justify it. It's just that it's it's, but it's hard to say it was it was it was necessary. It was, and and then again, if if the book had been if the goal of the book was different, if what they were trying to do in this book was different, then maybe it'd be easier not to read into it. But it's because they don't they don't have any. They don't have any leeway when it comes to that because they so firmly established what they're trying to what they're trying to say and how they're trying to say it and what you know what they care to talk about that you mm-hmm. kind of you just expect it and you and you got it so yeah you could you you there are other moments you could have shown and 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 that he was legitimately a gay man or whatever other than this moment of sleeping with the superior officer like his dad yelling at him telling him you're soft boy like uh, I mean that's. Uh, that's you know uh 
double entendre back in the yeah. day or something like he could he could be by calling him soft and everything he could be referencing that but if he said you know you're soft you little deviant or you know some like something that someone would have said back then or something what they would have called that um that could have given it just as easily that this is a part of his history before he ever met alan and honestly i don't know if you necessarily had to do that i don't know if you i don't even know if you you already know we already know from issue one, issue one, that he was sleeping with, with Alan. So that pretty much, and the way he's talking to Alan, trying to reassure Alan, oh, this is because he's the voice in issue one telling him that what you're doing, how could this be wrong? So it's clear, even if he, even if now he wants well, you to believe he was faking it. But the point was, we already know he, he's really, we really, we know that at least he's bi. If you want to be kind, he's probably gay. So I don't think you need a backstory to say that, that, that he's done it before to to, to show that. I don't think I don't think it's just about showing that he's gay. I think it's also about uh, because you reveal that he's a spy. If the only interaction you see of him being gay and and living out that life and and that part of his his sexuality is his relationship with Alan, then you were when you reveal that he's a spy. If that's the only instance, then you could also throw into question, Okay, is he legitimately gay or is he just doing what he needed what needed to be done to gain Alan's trust? But by showing us that he has a history of that, then we at least don't question that part. I can see that. I don't. I don't. Again, it's one of those. I can see it. I don't know if it's critical, but I. But I. I can see it. The fact that he's. I mean, just the fact that he's a spy to begin with. We know he's living a double life, just like. Yeah. Just like Alan is in on different levels. So. Yeah. The the other thing I would think about too is because I keep thinking about how this how this Alan they're trying to portray us becomes the Alan that we're supposed to accept uh, uh, in in the modern era and his relationship with Molly, his ability to have his kids, like so on and so forth. When he closets himself up and, and and lives that lie, quote unquote, um, then what I was talking about with issue three, like you get validation from God himself, quote unquote, whatever you believe, that it's okay, and then you still are okay with living living that life. Also, like seeing the man that Johnny slash Vlad becomes happen right in front of your eyes, and that he's denying it, and he says, "I have a wife," uh, still allowing yourself to move forward that way after seeing what happened to Vlad also doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, obviously, there's more story to be told. In that regard, we got to see how that all plays out. But I can't help thinking forward and being like, how does the man who sees sees this, this and that? I mean, it's also could just be as simple as I'm not gay. I have no idea the struggles homosexual people go through. And I didn't live in the 40s when it was way bigger of a deal to be out and so on and so forth. So I don't know those struggles. So maybe it was the only choice. I don't know. But it's still like. As a forward-thinking adult going, how are you not seeing the things in front of your face and that you're leading yourself straight down the path that you are seeing these other people take? How do you not see the warning signs in front of you? Or how do you see the warning signs in front of you and still choose to take that path? It just doesn't make sense to me. No, I think there's and, – and, and again, we don't know this is going to be the case, but I'd be willing to bet. I think we should lower our expectations so we're going to get a lot of answers before the series wraps up because they're probably purposely planning on because i agree i thought going the way they were going there was a natural segue or natural uh evolution where if every single person alan got involved with kept get, kept dying or getting killed and that that alone could be the reason why alan might look in the mirror and go what the hell am i doing because maybe maybe Talk again, leaving out the whole specter chit chat. Just look amongst yourself. I mean, looking in the mirror, it's like maybe God's trying to tell me something. No pun intended. If this keeps happening, so maybe I should at least see what's going on on the other side and see if I still feel the same way and everything else. But now knowing that it's Johnny killing everybody, and arguably, which we didn't really touch touch upon, on the surface, seeming like he's killing any killing these people, not necessarily just for any strategic purpose, other than the fact that oh. They're close to Alan, so it's either going to b- bother Alan or he's upset that Alan's moved on and found other people. That I don't necessarily know if that, but it maybe it depends on what, how, where we end up with 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 Johnny 
And the fact that if he thinks that he's going to come out, well, if he really thought Johnny was going to come after anybody he was involved with, then why would he necessarily think if he was involved with a woman, it would it would really be any it would be any different uh, that he wouldn't try to hurt hurt her either. I don't know. I think this piece is I think in a way that they've made it more complicated on that level. And we're not. And but I'm sure they have a plan. Lord knows. Uh, no yeah. pun intended that. And we won't know what it's going to be yet, but I would not expect that we're going to get a whole lot of answers. Certainly to that question to get to segue to how he goes from where he is here to where he's willing to, quote unquote, live the lie. That's probably that's going to that's another story down the road, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. I think that does it for our coverages of issue uh, issues three and four. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, my my perfect well, my perfect Alan Scott analogy now has to wait for another episode. So. Well, if people want to reach out to us uh, and let us know what they're thinking, how do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast.com is a website. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I was going to say Stitcher, but we know that's not. <laughs> it's still written now. That's why I almost said it. Podbean. Podbean, baby. Whichever platforms you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. And yes, through the end of February, Manly Bands, go visit Manly Bands and check out their DC collection, Lantern Cast 30, to save 30% off any of those rings in the DC collection. Yes, please. Uh, if you guys, uh, if you have the the uh, ability the financial ability to do so the moment whether it's you're an individual person buying a ring for yourself or if you're upgrading a wedding band with a couple to something else and something more personal to your interests because there are like there's also a harley ring and a wonder woman ring and so on and so forth so it's not just yes it's manly bands but it's not just bands for men um i highly recommend doing it because it's from now until the end of february and also if you do it please let us know uh, it would really be great to to have some people reach out and go, you know, hey, thanks for that sponsorship. You, you, you I actually did end up purchasing something. So I don't because I don't know if they'll tell us or not. So I would I would like to know if it was actually effective for you guys and that you got a ring and more importantly, that you enjoyed it. Yes, that would be nice to let us know and. Check check out their site. There's still 20%, I believe, off of everything else anyway. So go check out all the rings that they have because something might catch your eye no matter what. And if you do, make sure you mention that. We sent you no matter what. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>